0: Today on the Life After Ministry podcast, we sat down and we talked with Gary and Lisa Black and not having ever met them before and jumping into this conversation, I think we were wowed and kind of taken aback by what we just talked about.
1: Yeah, I feel like I found myself realizing like, oh my gosh, we need like several more hours to talk to them, to hear more of their story and just connect
0: Yeah. When we're talking about transition, they've experienced transition in almost every form, not just transition in and out constantly of vocational ministry and nonprofits and churches, but major, massive life transitions.
1: Yeah. Like really hard stuff, stuff that no one would ever want to have to transition through
0: yeah so um, listen this is Gary and Lisa Black and pray for wherever you are at that this would meet you in a significant way today well welcome to the life after ministry podcast my name is Matt Davis and I'm here with my wife Marilee say hello And we have quite a few guests on here today, and uh, I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, But we have a special friend. You've heard him on one of our previous podcasts and part of the Pastoral Transitions team, Noe Rivera. Noe, say hi, and then would you introduce us to your friends you brought today? Yes, hi,
2: everyone. So I am definitely excited to introduce you, uh, Gary and Lisa Black. And I consider them just really good friends in my life and mentors. I look up to them. I follow them. They don't even know how much I follow them. I'm like that creepy Facebook follower, like, okay, what <laughs> wisdom is Gary saying today? And, you know, how is Lisa encouraging the, uh, the body? So um, they're amazing friends. And I got introduced to them through uh, missions. And we both were part of uh, similar ministries and missionary uh, groups over the past. I mean, going back, uh, I'd say 10 or so years, but really our our friendship and mentorship kind of developed about seven, eight years ago. We both spent some time in Spain together and I had the privilege of sitting at their feet and listening to them and doing life with them. So I didn't just get to see the stage, Gary and Lisa, I got to see the behind the scenes. And let me tell you, it's the same people. And they're awesome. It's great. So, you know, I follow them. They, they've been in, in ministries their whole lives. Um, and I'm excited to, to hear from them today. So it, it's an honor and a privilege to introduce you guys to our listeners.
3: And can I just say about Noe? Yes. That one of our issues that we found in all ministry that we worked in is people were pulling from us constantly. And we had six children. And we were always saying, like, can you guys disciple our kids while we're discipling you? Like, can we work? And very few people stepped out in that. But when we were in Spain, Noe took our son. um, He was 14 at the time and very isolated, very lonely, and grieving the death of his brother for just a few years before that. And Noe really, like, went deep and invested in him and took him on hikes and... And it was really healing yeah. for no, so me. Yeah, the Come Noah on. and Noah show. Yeah, no, and and, and, yeah.
2: and I yeah. could tell you what, so what you they have done with Noah and their other children. It's like they consider any young person their child, and that's how I felt when I met them. You know, and they can drop names of famous people they've done ministry with. They could, you know, mention ministries with hundreds of thousands of followers or two followers, but they're never about that. They're about family. Um, and they're about uh, pursuing kingdom. And so, um, thank you for welcoming me even into your family back then and to this day. It's so, enjoyable. Gary, at well, least who are you
0: guys? Tell us some of your background <laughs> and what you've done and uh, a, a little question. bit of that landscape.
4: Well, okay. Ahead, uh, so, we've um, i been in ministry 30 years and business, I'm kind of always flowing in and out of both that entrepreneurial pole. Um, had started a ministry in the 90s called Rock the Nations. Um, that God really breathed on and um, kind of exploded. And my family life, my home life was um, miserable, um, very, very hard. And so because we were becoming so big and we kind of got a big stage going, um, it just got worse and worse and a lot of mental illness, um, some adultery. Um, In 1999, we had an event going on called Prayer Storm here in Colorado Springs at, at New Life Church. Had about 10,000 young people and um my first wife filed a restraining order against me on um, my three boys and ran off with one of the pastors and i was introducing people like lauren cunningham to the stage the founder of ywam and peter wagner and all these people and i'd crawl underneath the stage and just fall apart because I, I didn't know where my kids were um and so that started a journey that was the best thing that ever happened to me um in 1999 i thought that i Deserved what the stage and the front page of magazines and the radio shows and all the stuff, and uh, it it was the beginning journey of humility um, mm-hmm. and learning grace and learning who the Father really is, and so that was early on. Yeah, and you you started.
3: I was um, I started ministry at like seventeen. <laughs> I started helping with youth groups when I was in youth groups, but then um, I got real involved in crisis counseling, and I am drawn to hurting people. I, if I see someone walking down the street talking to themselves, I want, I jump out of my truck and like, let's talk to each other. Cause I just, I don't know, the more broken someone is, the more appealing it is to me. So I don't ever, I never really fit into the squeaky clean ministry stuff. I was always kind of riling things up a little bit and asking like, why are we all sitting in this big, huge building, but the rest of the time we're not using it mm-hmm. to reach our community who's really hurting. So um, when Gary and I met, I had been widowed for five years and I was raising my girls by myself and working for a nonprofit. Yeah, <laughs> And he started stalking me.
4: I stalked her. So
3: yeah, did. yeah he Absolutely. did. And... I
4: parked in Applebee's parking lot and watched her walk out because my friends were telling me about <laughs> her. I'm like, okay, I can go talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's gorgeous. Yeah, I had the, some of our interns were serving her. She was working at the pregnancy center in city Colorado Springs um, and helping gangbangers and you know, these pregnant girls that were teenagers and that's how we met. Yeah. And she kept me alive. I had to fight for uh, custody of my three boys. It took three years and we went bankrupt and lost houses. And I was the first man in Colorado Mm -hmm. Springs to get full custody of his children, which was kind of interesting. I had to kidnap them. There's a whole book and story to all this stuff. Um, And so, yeah. And then out of that, we we started some companies um, and then uh, I was working in Russia, uh, we had 200 orphanages over there. I was working with a guy named Tom Davis in Children's Hope Chest, it was awesome. And um, one of my old mentors, who know he knows really well, Andrew Sherman called me and said, hey, I need you to meet somebody, where are you at? I'm like, well, we're in North Carolina raising money for Russia, uh, for Russian orphans, and they were right up the hill from us. And I walked in and met um, a guy named Seth Barnes and his 300 missionaries, and I kind of blew him up with Holy Spirit a little bit. Um, but it started an incredible relationship and we birthed and just dreamt and birthed a thing called the World Race and G42 where Noe and I got to know each other. And uh, and Lisa and I were the first coaches of the World Race. And so we were going all over the world with these kids and we had six at home. So. Yeah, we did that. We? <laughs> yeah, we did do that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's been our journey. Um So then we, we lost a son in the midst of that. Um, and Really didn't know what to do. I just started another company and it was falling apart because the guy took advantage of us. And so Seth Barnes, the founder of um, Adventures and Missions and the World Race said, we need to get you to Spain and we need you to G42. And I said, there's no way. And then by that fall, so 2015 in September, we sold everything once again. We'd lived in Africa before with all six Mm -hmm. of our kids um, and all the world racers would come to us in Africa. um, And we got kicked out of Swaziland for doing a little more than the government was liking us to do with getting orphans out of there and that kind of thing. Um, and so then we um, ended up in Spain and it was an incredible season. Six years um, learning how to turn our pain um, into transformation. Yeah. Uh, you know, not anesthetizing it, not running from it. Um, learning how to hold everything the same, good things and bad things the same. Um, and so it was a really good season in our lives. And then obviously COVID hit in that that into that and here we are.
0: So that's an interesting thing that you say to to turn our pain into transformation. Um, mm-hmm. What does that look like? I mean, already I'm a little bit winded trying to follow your story was all gonna over. I should say
1: the same thing. I feel <laughs> <a little> tired. <laughs> we yeah. should have wow. got like the,
0: <laughs> the timeline of, of your life going yeah. through all of that. But yeah. what does that look like? Um, you guys have been, it's not like you've been in the same job for the last 30 years and you had a transition. Um, transition yeah. is really part of your story. And, and with that, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes transition does bring a level of pain. So, how do you take that? (laughs) And really what we we want to talk about on the podcast is how do we turn those transitions into some kind of transformation, even when it's painful?
4: Yeah, I think that, you know, and we talked about it, but the the Israelites, you know, they're on the journey in the desert and they're never more than a few miles away from the promised land, but they got stuck there for 40 years because they they would stick, they'd get stuck in bitterness and they'd name the place Bitterness. Mm -hmm. Or they'd get stuck in lust, and they'd name the place mm-hmm. Lust. And, you know, they were making these demands on God that He wanted to be their manna, but they were demanding, uh, for, you know, demanding manna. And we do that a lot in ministry. We, we can get stuck in our bitterness. We can get stuck in our pain and our anger. Um, and one of the things that I've, I've just learned over the last 15 years, and it's really become a huge part of our ministry in our life, is, you know, pain is the greatest teacher. If you allow it to be it's true you're, you're either going to transmit your pain on everyone around you especially those close to you or you're going to be transformed by your pain because you're going to allow God to use that and actually do Romans eight twenty eight, actually turn everything together for good because we love him and he loves us so much right and in the midst of that learning the goodness of who the father is instead of this angry ogre up there that's just waiting to punish us again and and we feel punished when we're going through transition sometimes learning how to hold that And let it transform your heart into humility and grace and beauty instead of anger and frustration.
2: I met you guys when you were in the midst of your grief. But as well, I got to see the joy start to blossom. And it reminds me of that verse, um, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And you guys now walk in such a place Mm -hmm. of freedom and joy and peace. And if someone just met you off the street, they wouldn't know all of those you know that long backstory but it's it there's so many things there that easily it could have kept you in the pain how have you accessed this joy and this peace that you now walk in so freely
3: well i wanted to say to all that that um i don't know if some of your listeners may have experienced this or not but a lot of the the ministry that i grew up with in the 70s and the 80s was um Basically, you had to be perfect in order to lead imperfect people, and then we would always see, you know, scandal or broken churches or these things happen, and we thought, oh, okay, something's wrong at the core, and the truth is that is actually what life is. Life is all about transition, and life is all about disappointment and misunderstanding and being disappointed in yourself, being disappointed in your leaders, having people be disappointed in your leadership. And the choice is not like, can I go through life avoiding transition or can I go through life avoiding pain? Which I think we have an entire generation that's trying to figure out how I can live without having pain and they're not feeling anything. They're just numb. Like the, the flip side of pain is joy and that only comes from you mm. submitting to the pain and saying it is here and it is devastating but i serve a god that that understands human pain that's the whole point of jesus is he came in a human body so he could un- mm. he understands everything we face and he's overcome all of it and so what what i was taught would um disqualify me for ministry like my first husband had a drinking problem and died in a bar and so we were we were excommunicated my girls and I because mm. that was scandalous you know and that was but that was religion mm. that wasn't mm. the heart of God and I always go back to what is the heart of God and if someone in a leadership position is telling me the opposite of the character of God I know where I need to pivot my ears and what I need to be listening Good. to. Mm. So that's that's how that turns into joy, is going back to the character of God and who he says he is and who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Because we have no control. Mm. We have no control over any of these things. It's going to happen. Pain is going to happen. We just get to decide mm. what to do with it.
2: That's beautiful.
3: I love how
1: you you have to have a soft heart to move forward in that direction. And it seems like so often in life when we're confronted with painful situations, people either soften to the Lord or they they harden their hearts towards Him and they walk away. And I think especially with pastoral transitions and this ministry, we see a lot of pastors who are choosing not just to walk away from, you know, that specific church they're coming from, but the Lord in general. And I, I guess my question is, can you give us like a, like a tangible or example of what did that look like for you? These moments where you had the choice to harden your heart or surrender and sort of lean into that pain, um, just for people maybe who are listening, who, who maybe have no idea where even to start with something like that.
4: Yeah, that's really good. Good question, Mary I, um, you know, for me, it was going on the heart journey, right? I, I, we've never been taught, you know, it's our body soul and spirit and we leave out heart and we're told all the time you know jeremiah 17 your heart is wicked hmm. and paul said no no i cleanse your jesus cleansed your heart your heart is actually your personality and we get stuck in our heads and we just repeat over and over especially in those wolf hours you know three to six a.m we can get just stuck in our heads and we get angry and we get bitter and we get mad at ourselves right and all the things that happen with transition And then if I can learn and teach myself to get out of my head and take that longest journey I'll ever take and start to live through my heart, I I, I really believe we don't ask Jesus just to Mm -hmm. come live in our hearts. We ask him to live through our hearts Mm -hmm. because we see the world and we see people completely differently. And so when somebody does something really nasty and mean to us, um, if I can get out of my head on it, stop with the father, say, father, first of all, you're going to need to father me through this one because I don't know how to do this. That's Mm -hmm. good. Right? In my, if Gary does it, there's screaming, there's cussing, there's kicking, there's blaming, there's all the things that we do, right? right? And when I, 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 I take a walk every single morning for a couple miles with my dog and I pray in the Spirit, and I just ask the Father, okay, God, what, what is my heart today? Is it angry? I feel like I've got an angry heart because I'll get mad at the dog or I'm just kind of angry. I'll say, will you give me a soft heart? Because I've got an angry heart right now. I've got an unforgiving heart right now, Father. Would you just come and give me just forgiveness and love and beauty in my heart? And if it doesn't instantly happen, which it does now about 99.9% of the time for me, I know the enemy's trying to do something. So that's my trigger to say, I need to go to war here. I need to fight the enemy. And so I just start rebuking the devourer or a spirit of anger or that thing that can come over. And so it's training ourselves, renewing our minds in the word of God. And then training ourselves to live from our heart, not from our heads. And that's the only way I learned how to do it. If that answers your question, Marilee, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: Gary, okay, what about, and we talk about transition because it's something that often happens and then the transition's what happens after that inciting event, but you're talking about you're in ministry and there's these massive stages and your life internally and personally feels like it's falling apart and getting away from you. Um, I know for sure, for certain, because we've talked to them, uh, that there are people in ministry who are just hanging on every Sunday um, and then running back home, running back into their office. They're hiding. They don't know what to do. They, they feel stuck they're a couple of years away from retirement and just trying to make it. But how, how do we live authentically um, before the Lord and before people in those seasons, knowing that transition, it's almost an anticipatory transition, but how, how do we live faithfully in those? How, yeah. they're, they're, they might even be looking for a way out, but what do, we, what do we do in those seasons?
4: Well, and I'll let you answer this, but let me just say, like, <laughs> I literally had the number one pastor in our country in the 90s look at me and say, look my elders have watched you, they know your life, we know you're innocent, but you're making us look bad and we're gonna blackball mm. you. And I was bankrupt in three oh months. My I lost my home, I lost everything. And I, I uh, my reputation was gone. And again, I, like I said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me uh, uh, now, uh, because I've allowed it to transform my heart mm. into some things, but it took a long time to overcome that, and I think our I love the Bride of Christ, right? The church is just how God does things. But we've kind of got a broken system Mm -hmm. with our professional pastors and our professional staff, and that's a big part of it. So
3: Yeah, I was going to say, like, (laughs) I think sometimes you have to look at the pressure. If you're specifically talking about a married couple that is pastoring a church together, which I love that you guys are doing this together, by the way, because Gary and I are really just trying to connect with married couples because I just feel like what the Lord's saying on the earth right now is we need the masculine and the feminine working together as examples of marriage, as examples of fathers and mothers, that we have elevated men in a lot of ways in this situation. And every ministry I've ever been attached to has had you know, 100% male speakers and teachers And ninety percent female participants. Mm. It's the women who go to church. It's the it's the women who go on mission trips. It's the women, and we need the men there. I mean, (laughs) we do, but it's it's all kind of lopsided. We need to actually see family, but we also need to honor people that have families, that have a marriage, that this is the most important thing, that that is the kingdom, and. I, you know, if one of my kids came to me and said, I'm going to be a pastor of mega church, my heart would be broken. <laughs> because, uh, I would be like, honey, you mm-hmm. don't know the cost. Like yeah. you don't know what this is going to do to your family and your, because people are put on a pedestal and they're supposed to be perfect and they're just human beings. Yeah. And so when anything happens, then we go generally and we attack those people instead of looking at them as people that have been wounded in a battle and, and need some triage and need some care and need to be, and, this idea that that one person can pastor 10,000 people or even 20 people mm-hmm. is ridiculous. We, we have to shift the way that we bring support to pastors and their wives, the way that we actually model what the kingdom is. Like, if we're just meeting for church on Sunday, but we're not impacting our culture and our community, if we don't care about widows and orphans and aliens, it's all a waste of time. And so that's I true. think there's just this, that's the switch that's happening is people are asking, like, what is real, that protects the congregation as well as the pastor and his wife or the pastor and her husband and their family. And we just have to switch that. This isolation to think that one couple has all the answers and are supposed to be at every hospital room or meet every person at Starbucks, that's a great way to burn out really beautiful people. Well, we have and, to have support. And,
4: and, and I would just say to the, to the question real quick, You know, there's a big difference between isolation and solitude. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in ministry, especially when we are transitioning out, and I would say this to people that are transitioning or close to retirement, you've you've got to be really careful to not get into isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, Elijah was isolated wanted to kill himself. Didn't want to move. Had to have an angel food cake to keep moving, right? Solitude, I invite the Father into that. And I invite, I need that solitude. I need that alone time. Jesus always went to the lonely place Mm -hmm. to detach from the pain so that he could reattach to it right? And so when we learn solitude, watch your Netflix, do your thing, right? But when you're in solitude, invite the Father with you and the Spirit and Jesus and, and have that communion and be very, be very careful yeah. that, that spirit that wants to isolate, mm-hmm. especially pastors and leaders, right? It gets you into isolation. And when there's, there's addiction that comes and there's thoughts mm-hmm. that come that are very hard to beat sometimes. And so
2: you've come across many young people that are going through transitions or have and you've come across the stage where they're in that brokenness right after and you are part of them not being isolated what would you say to even young people out there the the sons the daughters that they're trying not to isolate but it's hard for them to find people like you and and, you know they can reach out to you guys specifically but what do you typically, what kind of advice and wisdom do you give them to say, hey, this is how you can walk this journey in these moments after, soon after, even their transitions out of their ministries or their workplaces?
4: That's really good, Noe. Um, you know, I think th- that scripture just pops immediately, right? Uh, Paul says, we, ha- we have 10,000 teachers, mm-hmm. we have not many fathers, right? And the reason we have our ministry mandate, four, five, six, is God wants to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the children back. Yeah. And But we don't have a lot of people who've been fathered. So we have a lot of orphans leading our government. We have a lot of orphans running our corporations. Mm-hmm. You know, they have that orphan spirit on them, and it's very difficult for them to see outside of themselves. And so my, my heart is, let's father the fatherless into being fathers, mm. right? Teaching them self-sufficiency yes. in Christ. Teaching them that this is gonna be a really hard road, and there's no more beauty than when, when you come through the hardness. When you get on that other side of that thing that was going to ruin your life, God's going, okay, this is a season, and you have hundreds of seasons Mm -hmm. in your life. So this is a season you feel isolated. Let me come alongside that isolation and pull you up. I'm never going to call Mm -hmm. you out. I'm always going to call you up to get to Mm self-sufficiency, to get to intimacy. Because if I don't have intimacy, I have nothing. If I'm praying so I get money or praying so my ministry goes larger or I'm praying for those things. I'm completely missing the point mm-hmm. of how we live in the kingdom. And there's a big difference between Christians and kingdom people, right? And we have the gospel of salvation, and we have the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to burn myself out running around trying to get everybody saved. I need to actually reveal the kingdom every day through my life, bring mm-hmm. heaven to earth. I'm not, I'm not waiting for a ticket to get out of here, mm-hmm. off this miserable planet, right? And this horrible tribulation someday that's going to come. No, we win and there's hope and we have to impart that hope especially Absolutely. to the next generation who's fully isolated mm-hmm. you know they've been in their basements covid i think was the most demonic thing that ever hit our planet mm-hmm. especially for young people because yeah. of the isolation
0: yeah because of the Well, isolation. it's front page so, news okay. right now uh if you if you just watch some of the headlines this idea of fatherlessness it, i i literally was just watching a news story about it today Um, But 40% of of children today are born uh, out of wedlock. And so we have missing fathers. Uh, fathers are not part of the situation and then even when there are dads in the home they're not stepping into that place of actually being the they're father violent. they yeah. might not even have yeah. a, a good example of what that looks like and so I talk to dads who are like well yes I'm a dad but I'm not exactly sure what that means to be a dad how do I do I that right do so it, right? Yeah. fathers need to be fathered and it's hard to be a father if you haven't been fathered and so th- it, it's this perpetual cycle that really hurts
4: it really is. And that's what we're trying to break, right? And then I'd say to, to millennials, the reason they're not getting married is they just haven't seen it done well. Like, my parents didn't do it well. They got divorced. Um, I don't know what to do with I these kids. I have four stepdads, right? yeah. And so a lot of the guys are going, I don't even, they're not I'm even not even going to attempt right? it. <laughs> and so I'm going to confront that because God, all God wants is his family back. And he wants us to reproduce that same kingdom family. So we confront that with young people. Right, But it, you've got to walk them through that. That's why the system doesn't work of church. Because we're not doing discipleship. We're just trying to get people saved. or We're just trying to do Sunday morning. And we love being fed. We love the comfort. But if we just would disciple one person and teach that person to do the same, and they did two the next year, in 30 years, everyone mm-hmm. on the planet would be discipled. Right. We'd, have, we'd cover the whole earth in God's glory. If we would just stop what we're doing... And, and I'll say this, and I'll, I'll end, because I can get a little fiery here. Um, you know, Billy Graham said it. you guys don't want to you know, hear this. We like this the, fire, the fire. Bring yeah. the
0: fire. It's all good.
1: And I think we're, like, <laughs> no. so much on no. the same page with you, too. Like, I think we're both sitting here like, this. Oh, okay. yes. yes.
4: <laughs> well, I love what Billy Graham said. He said, I wouldn't have done it the same way. You know, 2% of the people that mm-hmm. came to my events stayed with God. He said, I would have found 12 well, guys and discipled them really, really well. well. And, and it's one of his last writings, Right. And I, and I really believe that's the shift that we're seeing. That's what God's doing. That, that's why I was, I was walking a world racer on the Camino de Santiago, a northern Spain trail, 500-mile trail. And my, my boys that I had birthed in ministry were doing the Azusa Street call with 185,000 people. And they're texting me. And they're going, Black, you should be here. It's incredible. And I'm like, god Yeah. I should be there. <laughs> and, and this little girl was walking beside me. And she's been sharing with me how her dad had raped her her whole life. Her brothers had raped her her whole life. And I was getting frustrated. And I'm supposed to be listening to this little girl. And you know what Holy Spirit says to me? He says, you'll walk this dirty, dusty road for the rest of your life. You'll never be on that stage again. Because this mm-hmm. little girl's what I'm, this, this is my baby. Yeah. And this is what counts. Mm-hmm. Right? And so for me now, I mean, I'm with these wild courage guys and we were with cowboys in barns around a fire, you know, with the F-bomb dropping mm-hmm. and people getting delivered from demons and addictions. And, and, and you couldn't do that on a Sunday morning, right? And we're going down to Mexico and we're finding these child porn rings in the middle of Mexico, in M- M- Moriela, Mexico, where the priests are running these, and teachers are running child porn rings and selling them to Americans, obviously. We're the biggest producer, we're, we, yeah, we're the biggest consumer of, of pornography and child porn. And sex trafficking Mm -hmm. and that's the dirty dusty road right and so if we just get it out of our head that we need to have we're building our own empire it
3: looks a certain way yeah
4: and we need to build our own ministry instead of just peace just Mm -hmm. shalom just life
3: yeah
4: life on life right sorry i I, that's great preaching i haven't preached in a while
0: that's good (laughs) (laughs) well we we've we've spent a lot of time and and we love we love the church um we have a strong ecclesiology but we've become very centered around gathering around the Sunday show. And we've forgotten about the rest of the week and and we've Uh forgotten the mission. And so the church has gone AWOL and is, is departed from that. And so we want to be able to call her back. Um, Lisa, I want to ask you as we just kind of close out, um, what would you say um, to that person who's lost? Um, they, have, they have baggage and they have history. Um, they're hurting and they're in pain. They're in transition. They don't know what's happening next. They've lost something or someone. Um, to, yeah. how, how do you center them and push them towards Jesus in that moment?
3: I love that question. I actually really wanted to answer that, so I'm so glad you asked me. But um, we don't do grief well in America. When we were in um, Africa and we would find these babies that were on the verge of death and we'd get a medical care, but they still couldn't breathe. They couldn't make it through. And we'd take the babies back to their mothers and then we'd help pay for the funeral. And the wailing that came out of these mothers, like this was before I lost my son. I'd lost a husband at this point, but I would not lost a child. And the wailing that came out of these mothers, I thought, that's how I feel. I want to wail. Like mm-hmm. I've lost so much. I have so much pain. And I want to wail it out. And we, we like to say like the second the funeral's over, I remember someone saying to me a week after our son died, like, but you're okay now, right? I was like, no, honey, (laughs) it's not even close to okay. And time alone isn't going to do anything. And so I would say to anyone who's lost anything that you value, you know, we can lose a career, a church, a spouse, a child, anything that you value, how much you value that is going to match your grief and we have to allow ourselves that season of loss because we we serve a god that understands loss. He understands grief. He is a he is as present in that as when you are flipping your legs around with excitement. And I just always go back to my original call that I felt like God gave me when I was 3 years old, which was to help people and love them really well and to see people that other people maybe didn't see. And sometimes that was my dad, and sometimes that was my husband, and sometimes that was my kid, and sometimes it was a stranger on the street. But no matter what ministry I'm connected to, my calling hasn't changed. It's the same every day, all day. What he asked me to do is a much shorter list than what I think he's asking me to do. And he is asking me to see people that are unseen, look them in the eyes and tell them that they're valued and that someone sacrificed their life so that they could have life. That's If I go back to that every day, I can't really, I can't get lost in self-pity because I'm still going to do what I'm called to do no matter what the title is. And you have to trust really that you yeah. are where
1: you're supposed to be every day with the people yes. that are supposed to be around you, whether that's someone as close as your family or your neighbor or the person just randomly walking down the street that God lights yeah. up to you and says, this person.
4: Learning to live in the now instead of for tomorrow or what happened yesterday. That's, the biggest lesson we've learned over the last mm-hmm. decade
0: well this is uh this is our first time getting to meet with you guys and hang out and so obviously yes. uh, <laughs> I want more <laughs> so uh, I think this is the beginning and yeah, you're right and uh, I'll, I'll yeah, and uh, I'll be joining Noe yeah. in stalking you guys on all of the different places. <laughs> so for those who are listening and want to be stalking you guys, where are some of those places that they can go? This is we want we want people to connect <laughs> no, with you we, in your ministry. We, we, so what's going on? What are you doing now?
4: And I'm glad Noe's listening because I need some help with a website. But no, um, <laughs> we have GaryandLisaBlack.com. Um, we do coaching. We're not doing so much coaching because it was kind of burning us out. And mm-hmm. I always can tell when it's time to go. Okay, that's enough. You know, being made in the image of God is knowing when to say enough. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so GaryLisaBlack dot com. You can hear all of our podcasts there, uh, our videos. We do we do video podcast. We just we're doing a series on marriage right now, mm-hmm. um, and then on all the social media, um, we're we're out there. So if you just Google Gary D Black on Facebook and Lisa um, Black, you'll find us on Instagram and. Lisa just wrote a book, Mm. All the Sacred Things. So she has that on Facebook as well as Instagram. It's such a good book.
3: (laughs) I mean, I'm just telling you, it is like, (laughs) it cost me everything, literally. And so I'm so glad that it (laughs) turned out and it doesn't (laughs) suck because it was excruciating to write. Who (laughs) did
0: you write the book for, Lisa? Just give us a quick I wrote
3: the book for anyone who's ever lost anything. And anyone who's ever been discouraged or anyone, you know, I'm a woman, so I write from the perspective of a woman, but I, my favorite Mm. reviews come from men because it's just the spirit of God that carries you through. And it's not light and it's not wrapped up in a bow and it's not, it's not about perfection. It's about like the dirty, ugly side of being human and how God meets us in it every time and never abandons us. No matter how dirty Mm. or ugly it gets, he never walks away. love it. Yeah. Even if everyone else does. Mm. You still have him.
0: Good. Well, we'll be putting all of those different places to connect with you guys uh, on our on our website, and you'll be able to check all that out as well. Noe, would you just close us out? Would you just pray a prayer of blessing over Gary and Lisa Black, and also just over those who are listening, wherever they might be, uh, that the Lord speak to them by the power of his Spirit. Yeah, in it'd moment. be my
2: honor. Father, thank you so much for this time. Um, we put it in your hands, and we ask that the ears that that heard everything shared today, that you will be present in it, that you will touch people's hearts, that you will touch their minds. And God, that you are with everyone in the midst of their journey and wherever they are at in their grief and transition. Um, Just as as Lisa shared that if we truly value something, that's probably why we're missing it. Um, Father, but I pray that you do show up right now to each listener. Um, with them that they know they're not alone that you never want us to be alone thank you so much for this time bless gary and lisa and, and thank you for matt and merrily in your name amen. Amen. amen
0: thank you guys great to talk with you thank you for tuning in to another episode of the life after ministry podcast if you are navigating a ministry transition or you're in a ministry leadership role and you see a change on the horizon The worst thing you could do is do this alone. We have two Facebook groups that are designed just for you. One is called Life After Ministry, and it's a group that offers community and support for those who are in transition. The other one is called The Elder Hub, and it's a resource center for ministry leaders. These communities are designed to give you insights, advice, and answers for your questions. We also have pastoraltransitions.com, And there you'll find articles on everything from messaging transition from the pulpit to what does it actually look like to become a community known by our love in every season. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. Your support helps us extend our reach and communicate this message. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Shalom.